thoughts around worship and um, as we move through some of the different psalms. And so today I'm going to play around Psalm 15 is where I want to go. And um, I know last week we, we uh, yeah, was it last week, the week before, we talked about a whole uh, bunch of stuff in relation to being a people of worship and even being a people that, that need to unmute ourselves at times, you know, for the right thing. And the songs today were, were so, I don't know if you caught it, but particularly from the second, third and fourth song, there's a sense for me, and I said a few weeks ago, that sometimes we have to command ourselves to worship. We've got to tell ourselves to praise. Yeah? And if you think about one of those songs was, do you remember the, the little repeat section? You know, sing a little louder, sing a little louder. People so confuse that, that, you know, it's the worship team saying, come on, sing a little louder. And so you've got to repeat it, sing a little louder. Sing a little louder. All right, sing a little louder. But that's an actual anthem where we talk to ourselves and we're saying, hey, sing a little louder. Come on, inside of you, sing a little louder. And then it gets into the reality of it. So I'm going to sing a little louder in the presence of my enemies. I'm going to sing a little louder, you know, and, and it goes on and on. And then we get to the, the next song and it's the, I won't sing it, I certainly won't sing it, but it's, come on my soul, you know, don't you get shy on me, lift up that song, you know, because I know that there's a line inside of you, so sing. So sometimes we have to command ourselves to worship because life's not always good. I love going to churches that tell you life's always good because you come out feeling really good until you get home and realise that not, life's not always good. You know, particularly if you've smashed your car on your way or you've got a sick parent or a sick kid or bills. Life's not always easy. Life's not always good. And coming to Jesus doesn't make things sweet. Yeah, it just means that we've got an inner strength to get through that stuff. And then we get to that last song. And that was, and, and the, the, where's the words? I've got to find the words of the part that I'm looking for. It was about praise, praise, praise. Praise will be my song. Praise will be my song. How can I contain it? It, it? I can't contain this love. So we get to this part in our walk and reality with Jesus that no matter what we're going through, praise is going to be my song. No matter what the enemy throws at me, no matter what life throws at me, no matter what people say, praise will be my song. That requires you and I to know what worship is. That worship is, in our, is our whole life. And it's not only when stuff is sweet. It's not only when stuff is good. It's 24 hours a day, seven days a week, yeah, 365 days a year. I just came back from South Australia. Um, I'd like to say celebrating the life of my cousin. But it, it, unfortunately for me, it was a Catholic funeral. I grew up Catholic uh, with one eulogy that was more like a goodbye. Uh, and so the whole day was really sad. But my cousin, Edda, was effervescent. She was, as a kid, she did my head in. Because <laughs> she was so bubbly, you know. Because she, she was about 15 years older than what I, I was. So if we went visiting my brother and I and family, we'd be there as, you know, 8-year-old, 10-year-old. She's 15 years. That means she's 25. She's like, oh, Andrew, David, hugs, kisses. You know, she was like that. And it was like, get away from me. She was always happy. I didn't talk about that. I share that just to say, even in that, she is a picture of what you and I 
should be, the joy that should be in us, even in our tribulation, even in our trials, even in our troubles. You know, sometimes we can grab hold of stuff and just hug it and kiss it and tell it that it's okay. And eventually inside, when you actually allow your inside to talk, things actually seem different and look different. So anyway, let's keep going with that sort of stuff because I want to talk about getting ready for worship. This is not about our salvation. Our salvation is secure in Jesus. If you've said yes to Jesus, you're saved. You're good. You're going home to heaven. I believe you can give that gift back. I don't believe God ever takes it back. I believe we can choose to give it back as I've seen people walk away from the Lord. Whether they come back or not is their choice. I do believe that when we're saved, that when we're living a life in deep, intimate relationship with God, I think like a normal relationship, there's things that we do because we love him. Not because we have to, but because we want to. Yeah. So Psalm 15, verse 1 to 5. We'll read, it'll be on the screen. If you've got your Bibles, you should bring them. It works really well when you want to punch the person beside you to hit through the Bible. Leaves no marks. Lord, who may dwell in the, in the sacred tent? People are like, is he serious? Who may live on your holy mountain? The one whose walk is blameless, who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from their heart, whose tongue utters no slander, who does no wrong to a neighbour, and casts no slur on others, who despises a vile person, but honours those who fear the Lord, who keeps an oath even when it hurts and does not change their mind, who lends money to the poor without interest, who does not accept a bribe against the innocent. Whoever does these things will never be shaken. I, I love that because it, it's a psalm that actually, for me, it lifts the bar on Christian living. Yeah, it just it it lifts it to a point where you have to question stuff yourself, and, and I think the question here is a question about somebody. It, it, this psalm is a psalm that that was sung. It's a psalm of David. It's a psalm that we read through. Yeah, but we're also supposed to put ourselves in the psalm and in the question as well, because what it's actually asking right at the beginning, Lord, who? Yeah. It's a question that only God can answer. This, this is a question on how a person, how you and I, how can we know God? How can we actually know him? And, and that, those two words, Lord who, sum up the whole situation of the whole psalm. Like, there are brilliant two words. We're asking God, who can know him? Lord who? Who, who can know you? Yeah? We're asking God, who's a true worshipper? Lord, who? Who actually is a true worshipper? In fact, where can I find a true worshipper? Oh, I think it's going to be one of the most important questions that you'll find in, in the Bible, but more so that we can even ask ourselves. So our culture doesn't ask those questions. Our culture doesn't ask Lord who. Our culture is not looking for a true worshipper. Our culture seems to be asking all kinds of different things. Like, how can I get away with that? You know? How can you believe that one person can be the saviour of the world? Um, why do you think the way that you do? Why don't you think the way that I, I do? This, for me, is the way our culture thinks, you know? And, and so often the world, even in church life, lowers the bar on, not on what God expects, but what God has designed for us. 
Yeah? Let, I know what the word says, but let's, let's change it to fit, fit the way that I live. Because I enjoy gambling. Or whatever it might be. Yeah? People, they, they lower the bar. And the world around us wants us to say, you know, it wants us to say, well, I know, you, I know your Christian stuff. I know, I know the stuff that you believe in. I know what the Bible says, but I don't want to do it that way. That's what they would like us to say. How, how can I lower the bar? You know, how, how can I do that? But the question that has to be the highest question of all is, Lord, who may dwell in your sacred tent? You know, Lord, who may live on your holy mountain? You know, the, the whole community, you know, or, or, or a church, when we're gripped with revival, people discover God, don't they? Like they flat out discover God when we're in the midst of a revival. They see the holiness of God. And, and we see and know that the greatest thing in our faith, it's not our healing, it's not the restoration of our marriage, it's, it's not the child that he's blessed us with when we were barren, it's not that stuff. It's the fact that we can be in intimate relationship with the living God. That has to be the greatest discovery of all time. Yeah? So Lord who is a great question. It's a great question that demands from us. Christians today don't, they don't want to be or have anything demanded of them. We're in, we're in age of grace. God's done any, everything on the cross. Your salvation's good. You can do whatever you like now. Go and live life. Well, you know, if I got married that way, I reckon that for those of you that know my wife, she would probably show me the front door. Yeah? Hey, I love you. Thanks for marrying me. But I'm just, listen, I'll be home for dinner at six. But other than that, I'll be out fishing, hanging out with the boys, robbing a bang, I don't know, doing whatever I want to do, you know, um, and I'll see you. And, um, yeah, I might be home tonight, but otherwise, you know, don't wait up for me, see ya. And I was like that. Can you imagine if I was like that every day? I mean, it would be a disaster, wouldn't it? It would be an absolute disaster. So in this question, Lord who, it's a great question because it actually demands, it actually demands something from us. And I love this because when, when I got saved, I got saved into a church that was, I guess, a discipleship-making church. And they expected stuff, not correctly, probably wrongly, but it created within us this thing that, man, God actually gave so much for me, I want to give back. How can I not want to give back? So this question, Lord, who? I read the whole, the whole passage, all of Psalm 15, and, and I don't think things like, geez, I'm great. Obviously, it's talking about me. Who can, you know, who can live on the holy mountain? Who can enter his sacred tent? <laughs> well, obviously, that's me, you know. I'm chiseled, I'm smart, I'm intelligent, I'm brilliant. Aren't I all of these things? I don't think like that. Instead, I actually have moments where I talk down to myself and I think, I know it's me because of Jesus. But man, I hope it's me. Now, I know it's me because of Jesus. I can enter his sacred tent. I know that. But man, he must love me so because I fluffed up again. You know, I did this again. I said that again. And I talk down on myself and it's almost like, oh man, just make me more like Jesus, you know? The only way you and I can legitimately be the things that this psalm requests 
is when we're in right relationship with Jesus. There is nothing that we can do. But we can actually be prepared. Yeah, There's nothing that we can do to make us right, but there's things that we do. If Melanie loves me, she loves me because she saw something in me. Now, I don't think I can do anything. And it's a poor analogy because I'm talking about humans, you know. <laughs> I don't think there's anything I can do to actually make her love me more or less because no matter what my wife does for me, I love her. But there are things that I can do because she's deserving of it, yeah? And I think with God, there are things that we can do. We can prepare ourselves in worship because he's deserving of it. And praise God that he does give us a Holy Spirit that lives in us so that we can actually live out Psalm 15. You know, I think there should be something in all of us that asks, Lord, who may dwell in the sacred tent? I think it's a question we should all ask because sometimes we just need to look at ourselves, yeah? Not to judge anyone else, but to look at ourselves and say, hey, God, is there something in me? Because so often it's so easy for us as believers to focus on the temporary things of life, don't you think? Money, work, success, relationships, um, getting the latest Samsung, ditching the latest Apple, all of, we, the, having the best technology, the biggest television, making sure that you've got Netflix, Amazon, Paramount, MGM, Disney, Star, Star Wars, Binge, um, KO. Before, you know, you want it all, don't you? Because this movie's here and this movie's here and this movie's here and this show's here. So you, you want all the latest stuff. We can get so, maybe I just get so caught up in that stuff, yeah? That maybe I'll blame my children. It's their fault. Anyway, we can get so caught up on that that we can actually end up living really mundane lives and we miss the question, Lord, who may dwell in, you know, in your sacred tent on your holy hill? So I want to get a little bit practical with the time that I've got left, if I can. Because the, the two words at the beginning summarise the, the whole situation. Lord who? We're asking Father God how we can be true worshippers. Now, the Psalms, I said a few weeks ago, the Psalms are God-centred. They, they, they're songs that are God-centred. But most of the songs that we hear on the radio today, they're man-centred, you know? Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, they're not God-centred songs. Yet the Psalms give, give us permission to think about ourselves. They, they cover every mood of life, don't they? Right from the beginning to the end. And above all, the Psalms are there to point us and direct us back to God, back to the Lord. And if we're the disciples of Jesus, we want to call him Lord. Yeah? I love calling him Abba. love calling him Papa because it's an intimate relationship. I love calling him Father. But as Christians... You cannot change the reality and fact that he is still the Lord of our life. And some people don't like that word because that means he's master. <laughs> and that if he's master, then he may want to change some of the things that we do because he knows better as our master. But he is, he's a master. And as, the, and, and as Christians, we should want to call him Lord. And we need to recognize that he's our master. Because if we're ever in trouble, if we found ourselves on a stormy sea, wouldn't we want to call out to him? Hey, Jesus. Hey, Lord. Hey, master of the oceans. Can you fix up the storm that I'm in right now? Yeah. We want to be able to turn to him. And now the context of this Psalm of David is around the tabernacle. You know, the priest, 
The priests had to approach holy things and make sure they were right. That's what they had to do, Old Testament. We don't have to do that because we have Jesus. But there's some truth in this that we need to be able to see and, and, and to pull out. Because the priest would approach the holy things, making sure that he's totally and correctly prepared. And, and not only that, then he would make sure that the others that were there were ready to actually sacrifice also that they could get ready for their best worship, really. And in this context, there's no temple yet. They're still in the tent. They're probably on Mount Zion. And you've got helpers that are sacrificing. You've got priests that are trying to get right, all to step into the Holy of Holies. That's the context of this particular psalm. And so the question that David asks, actually, who may dwell you know, in this sacred tent? Who may live in your holy mountain? He's actually searching. He's searching. And, and to a degree, the searching is still going on. He's looking for a genuine worshipper. He's not looking for someone that just does a little bit of religion. He's actually not even looking for the kind of person that does a little bit here and does a little bit there and looks right, but behind closed doors when we're not around. He's living a life that's contrary to all that. That's not what he's looking for. He's actually looking for one that worships God, that lives out a life of worship, totally lives out their life on that holy hill. When it comes to this psalm and when it comes to our, our worship, you and I need to understand that it's our whole life. It's every part of us. Yeah? And, and this psalm gives us these, just these beautiful hints along the way. You know? I, I don't know if I'll get through them all, but it, it's just this beautiful reality of, of how we can step into a place. And again, it's not about our salvation. It's not to better our relationship with God, but it's just to prepare ourselves the way we would do for a wedding. You know, the way that I did for a funeral. You know, I've, I carry enough weight. But for almost three days before the funeral, I didn't eat any chocolate. I had no carbs. I just wanted to get a little bit of the fat off so that when I met the cousins I haven't met for 20 years, I would look better. So I prepared. I know it was only two and a half, three days, but I tried, yeah? So if I did that for a funeral, for people, maybe sometimes... Some effort for God it doesn't go astray, yeah? Not because he wants it, not because we have to, but because we want to for him. So let's go back to that question. Lord, who? Who may dwell in your sacred tent? You know, who? It's a huge question that won't go away. This question will never go away because one day the Bible says that you and I will actually stand before the Lord in judgment. And not a judgment for heaven and hell. Christians don't stand before him for that sort of judgment. But we do stand before him. And I just want, I want us to understand how important this question is and how it relates to our relationship with God. Because it's, it's important because Jesus is the only way to heaven, full stop. It's important because we need to know what a true worshipper looks like. You know, particularly as we're being formed into the image of Jesus. Anyway, here's the first thing it mentions, yeah? It's about our walk. Verse 2, the one whose walk is blameless, who does what is righteous. This is a really high bar, yeah? This is a really high bar, and I'm glad that the Bible doesn't lower ex expectations, but it, it actually raises them, you know? And it's only possible because of God. Yeah, the, 
the one who freely worships, the one who truly worships according to verse 2 is blameless and righteous. Now, David wrote that psalm. We know David wasn't blameless because he stuffed up big time. His sin is in here for all to read about, for all to pull apart, all to pick at his character, you know. We know that he was not blameless. He did some horrible things along the way, but we also know that he was a man after God's own heart, don't we? The Bible tells us that. And he was a man after God's own heart because he knew how to receive forgiveness. You and I, we can't walk a Christian life if we cannot receive forgiveness from God when we go to him. Because he forgives us, because we were separated from him. Regardless of whether you think you lived a great life, whether you were a sinner or not a sinner, it was sin that separated us from God. Yeah, And so he had to make a way, and he did that through Jesus so that we could come back as sons and daughters. And he forgives us for being sinners, for living in sin. We were born that way. It's not our actions. yeah. And he all of a sudden says, hey, come back into my family as my son and daughter, and don't worry, I'll take care of the sin. I'll take care of that stuff because I want you back home, yeah? David, David, David was not blameless. And praise God that he then not only sends Jesus, but sends the Holy Spirit. So now we have power, and he's empowered us by his Holy Spirit to be able to live blameless. We still make mistakes. A person who no longer smokes but used to smoke is no longer called a smoker. Just because at one moment of frailty, of weakness, they pick up a cigarette again and smoke, doesn't make them a smoker again. Yeah. We're Christians, we're sons and daughters of God. Just because we have a moment and we freak out at our kids or we kick the dog or we run over the cat with a lawnmower. You know, I know, extreme, the pictures that jump into my head are just like that. But that doesn't mean that we're no longer sons and daughters of God. We're still sons and daughters of God. We've just had a moment and reality is we all have moments so wouldn't it be disappointing though to know that we're receiving all the mercies all the grace of god and then we just kind of ignore it imagine so imagine you, you just you know god's giving you all and you just say thanks for that god um that's awesome and then you go back to live your normal life this is about our walk. This is talking about everything we do. It means our life. It means living a life worthy of the calling yeah, that we've received. And that's why these words for me are really challenging because our worship and our walk need to be in sync. They need to be in sync. Doesn't the Bible tell us about Enoch, that Enoch walked with God? Man, what, what a rare person he was, right? Because in Genesis 5.24, Enoch walked faithfully with God. He had a deep, intimate relationship with God and then he was no more because God took him away. You know what? Maybe this thing about your walk being blameless is important. Maybe there's some stuff in our lives that are okay. It's okay. We're still saved. We're still going to heaven. We're not sinners. But maybe we can tweak a couple of things. And who knows? Who's to say that somebody in this room, someone listening at home, won't have the next Enoch experience? You know, like, why not? Oh, because we're in the New Testament. We have Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives in. 
Oh, so God can't now, is that right? Oh, no, he can't. Okay, well then, shh. I, I just wonder. You know, David followed the Lord with all, his, all of his heart. And Jesus told us that the relationship that he wanted for us was like a, was like a branch, you know, plugged into the vine. That's how closely he wants us walking with the Lord. You've got to think about that. If I'm a vine, that means I am attached to, to God somehow. That everywhere I go, he's there. That's how close he is. Because I'm telling you, you can, grab, you can even grab ivy and eventually you can pull it and snap it off its main, <laughs> its, its main connection. Yeah? But you and I, that connection can't be broken. If we, if we are attached, man, that means God is really close. That's the walk we're supposed to have. We're supposed to have an Enoch-type walk with him. And now it's possible because the Holy Spirit's in us. And so we'll obey him. That means he'll help us remain, remain in him and we'll dwell and abide and live with him. All of a sudden, this is why we live a life of prayer, because I'm attached. It's not a rope. This thing's alive. It's feeding me constantly, yeah? It's this beautiful picture. And so now we need to ask ourselves a question from time to time, week to week. Lord, show me a part of my life. Show me a part of me that needs to be surrendered to you. Because, man, I want to live a life like Enoch. I want, to, I, want to be, I want to be more like Jesus. Even that question alone, that thought alone, is enough for us to say, listen. And I reckon if all of us were to actually even put up this week and say, okay, from Sunday midnight, Monday morning, until today, mm, is there anything there that I... I can tell you this stuff, for me anyway, yeah? But I live on the edge. When someone cuts me off, I want them to know it. You know, and then God reminds me. <laughs> it's like, don't do that. Yeah, but God, they, they totally deserved it. Yes, they did, but you need to be better than that. Well, you said that revenge shall be mine and you live within me, so I was taking out your revenge. That's not how it works, Andrew. You know, we can live a walk. A true worshipper doesn't just worship on Sunday, though we do. Yeah? A true worshipper doesn't just have quiet time, though we do. A true worshipper knows that there are times that when we step out of how we should be, we can actually go to the Lord and say, listen, I stuffed up, Papa. I stuffed up. I know you've already forgiven me, but forgive me, I, I, I shouldn't have done that. Make me more like your son. You know, if I hear another person say that, we don't have to ask God for forgiveness. It's true, we don't. He's forgiven us. But if I have another person say that we don't have to ask God for forgiveness, they have no idea what it means to be in a relationship where you're so gutted that you may have done something that actually hurt another person. Yeah? I don't ask for forgiveness or say sorry because otherwise I won't get it. I do it. I ask it because, man, you know what? After all that he's done for me, how, how why, you idiot? Andrew, oh, man, God, I'm so sorry. I, I, you know, I didn't mean to hurt you. You know, our talk, verses, verse 2 and 3 of Psalm 15, the one whose walk is blameless, who does what's righteous, who speaks the truth from the heart, whose tongue utters no slander. Man, I'm in trouble already. I was bagging out half the footballers in the, you know, the, the team that beat the Bulldogs yesterday, the Adelaide, I forget their name. You know, like I was slandering them, the cheats, you know, 
I play on Xbox, someone beats me, they're hackers, they're cheats, I'm going to report them. They're no good. Little eight-year-old should go to school. You know, I know none of you have these thoughts, these moments. It's just totally me that I have to go before the Lord for. Who does no wrong to a neighbour, casts no slur on others. You know, we can look like we're doing okay from the outside and often most of us do. We seem like we're doing well, but our words will often give us away, yeah? Our words will often give us away. Sometimes they're our worst moments when we say something and we think, you know... Be honest, you ever said something and you thought, oh, you... dang, no, oops, shouldn't have said that. Like, seriously, come on. Like, I know some of you are looking there saying, no, I don't ever do anything like that. That's my husband, that's my children, that's not me. <laughs> I reckon there are just moments. And, you know, the story about Isaiah in the Bible when he's caught in heaven and he sees this this picture of heaven, he sees the eternal throne room and, and, and he sees God in all of his splendor and, and the angels are singing, holy, 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 you know, like they're going for it, you know. They're worshipping God, holy, 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 no, I can't get there, holy, you know, like they're just, they're worshipping God and he's witnessing all of that and then he's overcome, he's totally, the Bible says, overcome with the majesty of God. See, I figure that in that room, what he saw, the bar must have been really high, probably the highest of all, because Isaiah catches a glimpse of heaven itself, and when he's now back in his body, back ready to live life, and he wants to apply it to his own life, what's the first thing he declares? He goes, woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips. The thing that freaked him out the most after he saw the splendor and glory and holiness of God was, oh man, I've got a dirty mouth. Can you just bring a coal to clean my mouth? That's really hard to understand if you've never experienced the presence of God. But, but I can understand that because I, I've shared it here before and, and I've had moments with the Lord, different ones, but there's one in particular when we were at a retreat and we're in the, th the throes of worship and there was a moment where you just felt like it was God himself. And, like he was walking past and there was a whole row of us. There must have been 10 or 15 of us. And at the same time, we all fell to our knees. It was like this weight and glory of God. Yeah, And, and it was so beautiful yet so... Terrifying is not the right word, but you just knew that you were next to holiness. You just knew you were next to something so wonderfully pure. You know, I, I remember trying to get back up and it was like, no, that's not going to work. And it wasn't because I was too heavy. <laughs> it just wasn't going to happen. Yet I didn't want that moment to end. And so Isaiah has this moment like that. And he, when he comes out, he goes, man, God is so, so holy. I'm a man of unclean lips. Can't, he couldn't even believe that he'd spent time in that presence. And so he asks for his lips to be cleansed. I just wonder for us, does it hurt for us occasionally, you know, whether it's before communion or we just say, hey, you know what, Lord? There were some things I shouldn't have said today. I called my dog this. I had a guy 
had a go at the guy at the bank because I had to wait 27 minutes and 33 seconds. I don't know. I just wonder. Because the, the word slander in verse 3, you know, thank God for his grace. The, the word slander in verse 3, whose tongue utters no slander, is talking about scandal, a worship a worshipper doesn't scandalise. And then it goes on to say, cast a slur. When it's saying cast a slur, it's actually, you're looking for something to discredit someone else and then you're going to throw it at them. Man, isn't that politics at the moment? Seriously, that's politics. You're looking for something to discredit somebody else and, you, and then you throw it at them. Yet the Bible says really clear that this person, this worshipper, doesn't cast a slur. <laughs> if we want to be whole worshippers, if we want to ascend the hill of the Lord and dwell in the sacred tent and live a whole life as a disciple, then this is an important area of our life. It has to be. Otherwise, why did David actually feel as though he needed to write it down? Let's just rip out the Old Testament. We don't need that because we're New Testament believers. This is a song of praise, yet David points this thing out. And, and it's not just a song of praise, it's a song that's teaching us about how to approach God. How do I prepare myself to approach the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? I, I love this. So when it comes to our speech, worshippers don't do that. We don't say that kind of stuff. And, and, and if we do, we just simply humble ourselves and go before the Lord and say, I'm really sorry. Because Matthew twelve thirty six says, but I tell you that everyone will, give, um, will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they've spoken. <laughs> it makes me want to say like Isaiah, Lord, cleanse my lips. Just in case. Cleanse my lips. I want to worship you. You know, the book of James shares about the issue of our speech, doesn't it? James says that, we've got a that he's got a problem because he goes, out of my mouth, I'll praise the Lord one minute and then out of my mouth, I'm ripping this guy to shreds. He goes, that's a problem. That's an issue. Man, I, as a believer in Jesus, I shouldn't be doing that. I, this mouth can't do that. And as Christians, how can that be? We're praising the Lord with our song, singing away, and then legitimately someone cuts us off, nearly has an accident, or they hit our car and we have a moment. I reckon I've had my son catch me out. I was at home and I was doing something. He goes, you just said this. I go, no, I didn't. He goes, oh, yes, you did. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. Yeah, but I just cut my finger with a knife, Samuel <laughs> or Nathan. Yeah, it doesn't make it all right. Yeah, but it does because look, you know, like we all have moments. But isn't it funny, if we actually put the two moments together, the praising God and then the other stuff, they, they don't seem to be able to connect like dowels in a drawer, do they? They just don't go together at all. <laughs> Yet somehow, for some of us, we've made it okay. You know, how can spring water come from salt, a salt water source? How can salt water come from a spring source? It, it just can't. So James questions this stuff. He knows it's a problem. But part of our discipleship is to make sure that our speech is the speech of a worshipper, yeah? A worshipper that speaks the truth from their heart. That's how verse 2 ends. Verse 2 talks about speaking truth 
from our hearts. So there's bad stuff we shouldn't say. But then there's the good stuff that we should say as worshippers. This is the stuff that we have to unmute. Encouragement, edification, uplifting, sharing the gospel. That's the stuff that we should be spruiking. And that's an important part of our discipleship and it's an important part of our worship because this psalm's talking about a whole life of worship. And it starts with our walk and then it ends up with our talk, yeah? And I'd love to go on, but I'm going to get everyone to stand because <laughs> I've got three others and there's no way I've got time to talk about them. You won't be home till next week. And then you'll be forced to use some of those bad choice words. No, we wouldn't. Yes, I know some of you would. My roast is burning. <laughs> you know, we're describing our whole life. And when it doesn't match up, the beauty is for us as New Testament believers, yeah? when it doesn't match up, we actually can run to him. We have access to him. The veil has been torn. He does not punish us. We, have, we can have a prodigal moment with Father God every day if you slip up every day. You know what I mean? Because whenever we turn to him, the Bible says the Father runs to us. So if he's ever feeling far, far away, all you need to do is turn your focus, your attention to Jesus and the Father runs. I mean, I reckon that's pretty cool. That's the promise of the Bible. I'm going, to, I'm going to claim that. I'm going to own that. And the next time stuff's not going well, I'm just going to turn to him, focus on him. And I know that as I move towards him, he's moving towards me. Amen. I'm going to pick up with this stuff next week because the next part that we need to look at, you know, in living a life that's blameless, in being who, 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 Lord, can actually, you know, enter the sacred tent that can walk and, and, and move on the holy mountain, it's still in verse 3, but part of verse 3 is who does no wrong to a neighbour. I love that. We're going to have some fun with that one. Is that all right? So I, I, I want this. It's really hard when you teach because it's, it's not inspirational what it should be. What I'm wanting to show us is that in our love for God, though we need not do anything for it, yeah, we can still prepare ourselves beautifully for him. Yeah? Just like a bride on their wedding day. There are still things that we can do. So we can watch the way that we walk. We can watch the way that we talk. You know, most people here, those that are listening at home, know that I like playing Xbox. I enjoy that. I've got a group of friends. We've recently brought another dad into the group who happens to be a, a Melbourneian. I'll from Geelong, yeah? But I discovered yesterday, because I do so much counselling <laughs> through the Xbox, that he was a Christian, went to church for a long time and has not been for some time. And in his words, I can't believe that you're a minister. And so we keep, we keep chatting and keep talking. Point being, if my speech wasn't right, I know because of my conversations with this person that he would have already change the friend status and just kept moving on. It's just that type of person, you know, in the way that he lives, he wants things to be right, wants to raise his kids right. It's important the way that we walk. It's important the way that we talk. And it's important the way that we treat each other even when we're different, amen? So 
Food for thought, yeah? Just food for thought if we want to be whole worshippers for him. Who? Who, Lord? Who may ascend? Where will I find the true worshipper? So let's pray. Let's enjoy the day. The sun shines out. My son's going to play football. I'm sure I'll have no voice left by the end of um, this particular Sunday in Jesus' name. Father, we just thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your kindness. We thank you, Lord, that we've gotten through another two weeks of holidays. We thank you, Lord, that Lord, some of us parents are thanking you that our children will eventually be going back to school and we thank you for the breather that that will be. We thank you, Father, that we can worship you. We thank you that we walk with you. We thank you that we are attached to you, Lord God. That's how close you want us to be. And Father, I pray, Lord, that Lord, we may not have an Enoch experience where you take us home now, but I pray that we have an Enoch experience where we walk and talk with you so closely that it is a normal part of every day. So Lord, just bless us. Bless those that have watched from home. Lord, bless us in all that we do and keep us safe in Jesus' name. Amen.